So once I got to the point where I had a few hundred grand in credit <laughs> limits, uh, yeah, you're right. It's, you kind of like, okay, I hit the max and uh, that's it. And I put the 27 grand in a, uh, the money market account and I made like 450 bucks. At the end of the day, it was just clicks of a mouse. Yeah. And who's gonna turn down 450 bucks? <laughs> We are rolling. How's it going, man? Good. How you doing? Great, dude. I just wanted to introduce you to everybody because, I mean, we met at the gym and uh, Danny, who's a close friend, just like, oh, you need to like talk to this guy. He did a lot of real estate and, you know, he teaches people about how to hack the credit card system, like the legal way. And it's pretty dope. So I was like, hey, man, let's get on a podcast because why not, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, I'm glad you mentioned that. So <laughs> so the, uh, the part about the legal way. So I just want to first start off by saying that um, some of the stuff I might suggest that you do. Uh, I just uh, want to clarify that if you ever lie to a financial institution for financial gain, you've committed fraud and that can land you in prison and get you about a quarter million dollar fine. Mm. So don't do it. So don't do that shit. But there are people that have done it <laughs> yeah. and we may touch on some of that. Well, if you were going to do it the illegal way, I'm not <laughs> saying you, you should do it, but I mean, what is the illegal way so that people don't do it? Well, they can um, lie about how much their income is or just ex exaggerate that. So yeah, that's yeah. probably going to be the number one way. Mm. Uh, that or just completely lie about your employment status. Mm. Um, that's one way that uh, somebody can get in trouble by applying for a credit card and and just yeah, falsifying anything on that application. Mm. Perfect. So, so for to give everyone like a, just an overview and stuff like that, because I'm also interested too, because uh, you do this with all of your entrepreneur friends. Uh, just kind of give the benefits of what you're about to go over just like right now in like a summary so everyone knows exactly what to expect from this podcast. Basically, uh, I think that it's great to just have a lifeline. So, yeah. I mean, you can have several credit cards that, um, you know, you, obviously this isn't plan A or B, but if uh, you're an entrepreneur, um, the reality is that you're probably um, going to go a little while with not making very much money or yep. sinking a lot of money into your business and maybe not getting paid for a while. And if that, you know, if that's if you're wrong about a few things and you have to delay that, well, you're going to be glad that you had some backup plans. For sure, for sure. And those are credit like, cards. Can you just like talk closer to this? Oh, you sure think? Yeah, just like that. Punch the mic. Yeah. Got it. Um, awesome. Yeah. It's, it's just really weird because you just have to hold it like a fist to your mouth. Yeah. But, but it's pretty dope, man. And uh, yeah, that's super interesting because, you know, the more I hear your story, you're able to figure this out, I think, because of the real estate industry. Is that how you kind of? Yeah, yeah. Like well, when I first got started with real estate, actually, it kind of goes back to uh, a good friend of mine that was a mentor. He's unfortunately, he's no longer with us. And uh, he kind of planted the seed with real estate. I kind of saw what he was up to and how well he was doing. Um, and actually, I got to see a part of his life where he was actually not doing so well. Mm. Um, What's going had, on? Well, he had um, done a big project before the 2008 bubble crash, and uh, he wrote out a few years. And um, by the, by the time that um, he was in this not so great time, it was 2012, and he was actually in the process of buying out all of his partners and taking over this really big apartment complex. And uh, basically, uh, he was pretty cash flow uh, lean, and but he was basically a year away from being a multimillionaire. So uh, it really hit home for me when I saw this. You know, he, he showed me uh, how much credit card debt he was in. And he showed me a spreadsheet. He had like 17 credit cards. Even mm. I don't have that many credit cards, but uh, he had that many. He had a spreadsheet and he had like $180,000 in credit card debt. And I was like 23 or 24 years old. Like, what the fuck like, is that shit? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, you can't do that. Like, yeah. it's, he's like, dude, next year I'm going to be a multimillionaire. <laughs> But right now I have to put gas in my tank and I have to feed myself. Mm. And if I fail, I'll go bankrupt and the debt won't matter. And if I succeed, which I probably will, I'll be a multimillionaire and I'll settle my, all my debts for pennies on the dollar. Mm. And I was like, wow, that's that's a really interesting way to to look at things. You know, you're always taught all your life like, oh, my gosh, stay out of debt. And, you know, it's definitely good advice. You know, you don't want to you don't want to do this, but you never know what kind of situation you're going to be in as an entrepreneur and you're waiting on some big payday to come. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then you were able, is, is that kind of like how you figured out how to leverage the well, credit card system? Well, actually, I think that really just like hit home for me. Yeah. I saw that, and then soon after that, um, I uh, I think I went to a seminar of some sort, and like one of the guest speakers was talking about um, you know credit cards and uh, credit card debt, 
And one of the things he was pushing for, he said, hey, your, your goal should be to have $100,000 credit limits on every single one of your credit cards. And when he said that, it, you know, it really resonated because, you know, I saw how my friend needed that. And it's like, okay, well, why not try, try doing that? Mm. So um, it took me a couple of years and, and I got there with a couple of cards. And uh, yeah, you just have to you raise your credit, credit limits every six months and we can go into how to do that. Yeah, no, it's insane because, for example, the, the majority of people, when they listen to this shit, they're like, damn, what the fuck? 180000 in, in credit card debt? They're, they're probably wondering, like, how many Jordans did this motherfucker die <laughs> or buy? Or how much uh, Louis Vuitton, Gucci jackets or w- whatever, right? There's uh, this uh, misconception from just most people that think credit cards as bad, and that's why most people will never even... Uh, get them because they're just almost afraid. They hear horror stories of like, man, this person's like in debt. He bought a bunch of dumb shit and then he never paid it back. And now he's freaking working at McDonald's with 40,000 in credit card debt, you know? And, and I think people need to hear, I think your way. That's why I'm super excited why you're on here is because I feel like most people are not using credit cards in the way that they were intended. And that was to actually help entrepreneurs as a mutualistic uh, relationship between banks and entrepreneurship. Because at the end of the day, if the credit cards are there, the entrepreneur makes money, then the bank technically also makes money, and then everyone's happy. Instead of people just, like, fucking their lives up and spending shit they don't need right. to impress people they don't like. Right, right. Well, and that is another uh, good point, too. So yeah. if you're – I have another friend of mine who's an old roommate of mine, and uh, <laughs> he literally lived paycheck to paycheck. The amount of money he made, he blew every penny of that every two weeks – and he he knew himself well enough to not have a credit card. I cannot. He's like, I can't have a credit card. I've got no self control. And if you're one of those people, then set boundaries for yourself and don't get a credit card. And, and maybe forget about the advice I'm giving you. You don't need big high credit limits. Yeah. Like, can you imagine if you had a hundred thousand credit card? And he's like, shit. What can I buy today? Right. Exactly. <laughs> so I think that just comes with a little bit of financial maturity. Yeah. Is being able to look at a big credit card uh, limit or even money that is in your bank account and not yeah. feel like you have to spend it. So if you're at that stage, well, then this advice is for you. Okay, so let's actually dig deep in the advice because everyone listening to this, they're either starting a business or they have a business and maybe they're not leveraging credit the way that they can to go from like what you said, your friend, 180,000 in debt to making multi-millions within 12 months, basically. Yeah, yeah, so you want to go into like the steps on how to to get there with the... Yeah, basically on like how you figure it out, man, because that's kind of the biggest takeaway I think most people can get. Because if you're somebody that heard this at 23 and you're like, holy fucking shit, that's crazy. And then you're able to do it for your credit cards. Kind of maybe talk about exactly your process and how you figured out these steps, because it didn't happen overnight. You had a lot of trial and error, but it got to the point where, you know, you were able to use credit, uh, build your business and take huge vacations to Bali and just freaking hang out and do handstands and shit like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's actually quite simple. So most of the people listening probably have a few credit cards already. So step one is I would uh, immediately go online and go to your uh, account um, website. And there's usually a, a link there that says request a credit limit increase. Mm-hmm. And you go there and you click that. You, you put, They're going to ask you what your income is. Uh, don't lie. Uh, don't, don't lie. lie. <laughs> <laughs> There's a shit that you don't like the one thing you cannot do right yeah. here. Don't lie. <laughs> uh, so I will say that uh, every time that I've done it, they never verify. Okay. So take that with, uh, but don't as lie. you will. But don't lie. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, you fill that out. And my, my best advice is try to uh, shoot for like a really high uh, limit. Like if you got a $5,000 limit, ask for fifty. Yeah, they're not going to give it to you, but it's going to give you more leverage whenever you call them. And that's the next step. So they usually almost always double it, especially if you already have good credit. They're going to do a, a, a hard inquiry on your credit report and they're going to be like, OK, this guy's have good, good credit. He wants 50. We're not going to give it to him. We're going to give him 10. And then uh, you, the next step. And I've told this to people and they don't seem to listen. So do this part when you pick up the phone and you call the credit card company and say, hey, I asked for 50. You only gave me 10. There's a pretty good gap here. So surely you can you can change that. And they'll usually give you a little bit more. They may even give you, uh, you know, maybe 15 or 20 or something. Mm-hmm. But either way, the point is they almost always give you more. And I found that getting the, in this process, it's pretty easy to get to 50,000. Like you, um, and let me back up too. Like uh, the downside of doing this is it's going to ding your credit with a hard inquiry. 
So when you do it, you want to, first of all, do all your cards at once. So it minimizes the impacts yeah. on, on your credit score. And then second of all, you don't want to do it too often. So for me, I would do it every six months. And uh, I would just, yeah, I would just do that exact process, raise the credit limit, and then just keep building it. And I think it took uh, about two to three years mm-hmm. for my cards to, to, to get it. And they, they, most banks, Chase for sure, and Bank of America, they, they cap you out at 100. Mm-hmm. So Give I tried. More. I know they, they tried. And it, actually, Bank of America gave me ninety nine thousand nine hundred assholes. So yeah, like, we can't give you a hundred stingy without, bastards. Without, yeah, the boss signing off on it. So, anyways, I basically got there. So yeah. Um, so let me think here. So um, yeah, the inquiries will stay on your credit for two years. So in this in this method, you you limit yourself to about four inquiries. That'll eventually start falling off. Mm-hmm. So in that cycle, um, that doesn't damage your score too much. And what um, the way this helps your score is, uh, you are re- um, you're increasing the amount of credit that you have available to you. And one key factor is they want to see how much credit you're using versus how much you have available to you. So if you have a one thousand dollar credit limit. And you run it up to five or six or eight hundred or a thousand, you max it out every month. They see the percentage. This guy's using a hundred percent of his credit limit. He maxed out his credit card every month, and it looks it really crushes your score, even if you pay it off, because that mm. balance stays. It, it gets reported. This is the balance, and it just shows up as a maxed out credit card. Mm. So the easiest way to figure, you know, to solve this math problem is to increase the the denominator. And you want to have, uh, have, you know, if you have a ten thousand dollar credit limit, and you're, you know, you're regularly spending a thousand and paying it off. Well, now you're using ten percent. Um, it's, it, you know, but the lower the better. I mean, if you have a hundred thousand and you're only using a thousand, you know, you're one percent, and mm-hmm. that's obviously a better number, and that's how you really maximize your score. Mm. What are you telling them when you're like, can I get like fifty thousand credit card limit? They're probably wondering like, this fucker's gonna go to <laughs> Vegas or something, right? Do you give them reasons? Yeah, they do ask a reason, and I usually say, you know, I usually travel and stuff. I'm like, oh, I'm about to take a long trip, and I got some purchases coming up. I don't really think the reasoning ever really mattered that much. Mm-hmm. I think they just wanted you to say something, yeah, you know, other, yeah, other than uh, I'm gonna just go to Vegas and blow it all, right? Yeah, so yeah, maybe maybe that's their way of like trying to get you to hang yourself. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it didn't seem like they ever cared. And that's three steps. What, what do people normally do after they uh, increase their credit card limit to a point where now it's up there? Is is that just like the end all be all, or, or now we talking about okay, start a business because. When someone has fifty thousand or a hundred thousand uh, in their credit cards, right, and that that's their limit. Now, what would you actually recommend they do with that to actually turn that into something that could help them grow, help them give some freedom in their life? You know? Yeah. Well, uh, I've kind of stumbled across a few experiments that I've tried with my credit since I built it up so much. Yeah. So once I got to the point where I had a few hundred grand in credit <laughs> limits. Uh, yeah, you're right. You kind of like, okay, I hit the max and uh, that's it. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, I should mention that um, even if you have a different credit card with Chase, it's like still Chase is the bank, but you have two different Chase cards. The collective amount of credit they will give you is capped out at 100. Mm. So don't think that you're going to get 100 for each Chase card. Yeah. So the uh, point I'm trying to make with that is if you only have two or three credit cards, you should probably have like seven to ten. Yeah. Um, open those up slowly. Oh, sorry, I keep forgetting. Yeah. Uh, open those up carefully, like maybe one or two. If you, if you only have like one or two, it probably wouldn't hurt to ha- go ahead and get two more. Yeah. But if you have like four, maybe just get one more. So it doesn't, because those new accounts also ding your score. Yeah. Um, so you want to have different credit cards with different banks. So Chase, Bank of America, Citi, I mean, Capital One. And that's the best way you can get the most amount of credit limits. Mm. So once you do that, like, so, so for example, say I take this advice, I'm like, all right, I, I freaking go back to America and go to all these banks. I'm like, hey, man, can I get like 50,000? Can I get 100,000? And then I, I, I open all these credit card accounts up. Um, what would be, what would I do next? What would be the next experiment that you did to well, figure that out? Well, um, I was able to cash advance. Uh, I actually cash advance $30,000. Yeah. I got one of, one of those, you get those offers in the mail sometimes and they're like, um, usually the, the key part is, is, uh, there's no tr- transaction fee, yeah. no, no cash advance fee. And then the interest rate on that balance is interest free for like 18 months. Mm. And that's what this particular offer was. And I was like, Hmm, okay. $30,000 cost me $0 to put in my bank account. 
and money market rates are, I think it was 1% at the time, but now they're like 2%. Mm. So um, at the time, I think I did the math over 18 months. So I, I cash advanced the 30 grand uh, on a hundred K limit card. So I was using 30% of my credit limit. So it didn't really crush my uh, d- uh, utilization, but I definitely ding my score a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had enough there where I could pull it off without it just completely crushing and wrecking my credit. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just, I took 30 grand and I peeled off like three grand, whatever the payments were for 18 months. And I stuck it in a separate account and I put the 27 grand in a, uh, the money market account and I made like 450 bucks. I mean, it took 18 months yeah. and it uh, seems like a lot of running around, but at the end of the day, it was just clicks of a mouse. Yeah. And who's going to turn down 450 bucks, you know? Yeah. And, and also it was just an experiment to see if I could do it. Mm. And actually it was like probably a year later. So I've still got like six months left. I've got the 27 grand sitting there making interest. And, uh, and I came across a really good uh, real estate deal and I had to come up with some money like, right now to do it. And actually I, because I had that extra money in that account, I was able to pull it off mm-hmm. and, uh, and take advantage of that opportunity. And so I wouldn't miss that opportunity cost. So you're basically arbitraging yeah. uh, percentages for, for everyone that's like, uh, listening on this. Cause, cause that was the thing that went over my head when I heard about these percentage and APRs and interest rates. I'm like, what the fuck is that shit? And uh, one of the things that helped me out was when it's like you go to a garage sale, you find something for really cheap, and then you realize that that sells on Amazon or eBay for like five or ten dollars more. So you literally buy it, or say you could even like let's use a credit card. We'll, we'll buy the thing at the garage sale with a credit card, and then we'll sell it on like eBay or Amazon. And that's basically the arbitraging between two different marketplaces, right? That's what you're doing. Yep. So that that's freaking insane, man. That's literally like free money. Yeah. Why don't more people do this? Maybe they don't have the credit. I don't know. Or they just never yeah. thought they could. They never listened to this podcast. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, this is, nobody taught me how to do this. I was just fucking around one day and I, and yeah. I had the ability and most people don't have the ability to take advantage of, you know, a 30 K cash advance. So then mm. it's like, Oh, you know what? I put it here, figured it out. And I did it. I've actually done it twice. Yeah. Have you ever uh, read the, the book, Elon Musk, it's kind of like an, a biography about Elon Musk. I have not. Oh man, it, it reminds me of something similar that he had as an idea, except it was on a larger scale. He's talking about uh, basically arbitraging the debt of countries. So he realized it was the exact same thing, how you could you know, buy debt at this interest or this percentage and then kind of like sell it to somebody else. It was like some crazy thing in, uh, I think, Brazil or something like that. He, he found an interest or debt that, was underutilized. I don't even fucking know the words that are coming out of my brain or my mouth, but yeah, yeah. you probably understand what yeah, I'm trying to it. say. Yeah. And he literally went up to his uh, boss at the time. I was like, hey, look at all this opportunity. We could do this. Exactly what you were saying on how you made the $400, but this is with billions of dollars, man. And uh, he was like saying that he he just called his boss a dumbass for not taking it on. Um, but that is that is that just the only way? Are there other ways that you could also leverage credit cards to also make more money? Uh, well, I mean, you, I guess you could always work the point system, but yeah. there's plenty of info and things like that out there. Yeah. Um, I just think the the main benefit of it is, you know, you, you might sink a lot of your liquidity and, and kiss a goodbye for a while. And then just knowing that that's there or have, you know, this, this gives you the balls to go, you know, sink your last dime into something mm-hmm. and, and go live off credit cards for six months until you can sell it. Right. And then you can uh, take advantage of that. Mm. What, uh, how is, uh, how is doing this kind of like helped you out in your personal life or business life? Uh, oh, I mean, well, like I said, with the real estate deal that I, yeah. I was able to take advantage of, um, actually it happened both times because I, you know, I had it out for 18 months and paid it off. And then soon after, maybe six months later, I took advantage of another 30K cash advance. And both times, yeah, I was able to, I was about to sell another deal and it, it was actually under contract. And then another one came came across my desk and, you know, good real estate deals don't last. There's there's a lot of um, a lot of investors out there that'll, that see the value and um, they, they hop on it. Well, I hadn't quite got all the money or I hadn't sold this other deal yet. And then I see this other one and it was the same situation where it's like, okay, cool. I've got, oh yes, I've got enough money to do it because I have this extra balance here. And it's like, okay, I'll buy that. And it's like, okay, this, this property sold. And then, okay, now I can put that money back to, mm. to where, where it belongs. Can you talk about, cause it's earlier on what you said, the guy had 180,000 in debt. Yeah. What happened to him? Is, is he good? 
was he able to flip it? Was he able to, what, what did he do with that debt? Because I think someone that may be listening on this, they may already be in like 40 or $100,000 in student loan debt or something like that. And they're still trying to pay it off. And then now you're saying, hey, man, like use $100,000 in credit cards and, you know, like playing the devil's advocate, say they get to the point where they're like, fuck, I actually maxed out the 100000 I didn't think I can. <laughs> man, like at first you, you feel accomplished. She's like, yeah, I fucking did it. But then you're like, shit, I'm 100 grand <laughs> in the hole. What happened to the guy? Uh, actually, that guy ended up passing away halfway through oh, that project. Fuck. Yeah, it's pretty tragic. Yeah. Um, but this was in 2014 when the Houston real estate market was absolutely just skyrocketing. Mm. And he, he would have been successful. Yeah. I mean, it was just. What, what was his steps? What was he doing? So we took the 180 grand. Well, that's and, just what he had he built up just living off of. Yeah. Because the, the, the crash hit and then he was just really, you know, pretty, pretty much couldn't pay his bills for a couple mm-hmm. of years. So this was like his last, like, oh man, okay, finally got his partners to agree to the buyout, and he finally got control of his property, and then, and uh, yeah, that yeah, that's so messed up. That because most people actually don't have more than I think two or three or four grand in their bank account, and then they're just one emergency, medical emergency away from just destitution, from just bankruptcy, and even just doing what you're doing right now, I feel like that would help so much people because people think that they need to, you know, save thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, but that's that, that's smart to have that rainy day fund, right? When, when shit just hits the fucking fan. But also leveraging credit cards to understand that, okay, it kind of gives you more buffer, right? So for one of the things that I'm also curious about is like, do you recommend any, like with, with the credit, do you recommend they go a certain avenue? Like, do you think real estate is the best thing or should people just kind of, Maybe say, hey, you have this idea. Maybe you should actually just put it on credit cards and invest in yourself and figure it out. Uh, I guess it depends. I mean, if you really want to go for real yeah. estate, um, obviously, I've, I've been pretty successful with it. Um, it depends. It's actually interesting. You you asked me this question. Somebody somebody asked me this not too long ago. Like, what should I do? And he actually inherited like a little bit of money. Should I, yeah. should I just buy some real estate? Should I invest in myself? And that's just that depends on you. I mean, you got to figure out if if you know you're in a place where you need to maybe just focus on investing in yourself, or if you're ready to to start making investments and start you know mm. doing the entrepreneur thing, doing more riskier things with your money. Yeah, man. I just want like I said again, play the devil's advocate because, for example, when people have access to excess amount of capital and they're not the person ready to actually handle it, um, not only will it just fuck them up. But sometimes when you have access to excess amount of capital that is not yet um, in your own reality, what tends to happen is like, like I said, they either mess it up or you feel rich. They also don't feel they they don't, they lose their creativity, Mm. you know, ever have an excess amount of money in a certain bank account. And then you thought that 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 was your bank account. And then you're like, Oh, I don't need to be creative. I don't think of, I, I don't need to think of creative solutions. I could just use this money to pay it off. And I can't tell you how many times, for example, for me, when I didn't separate my bank accounts and I saw this money in my bank account, I was like, oh, like cash flow is good. You know, I could just do this. I could invest in that. I could uh, freaking hire more employees. And because I associated that excess amount of capital to the things that I could actually use the operating costs, I was freaking lazy in my creativity, man. And it actually took, uh, toll on certain businesses that I was like running because I was like, oh shit, like I don't have to figure this shit out. I got money in the bank, right? Like, what would you say with that? Because you're obviously a really smart person um, and you've been doing this for a while, but there's people out there that will rack up this 50 or 100 grand. And like I said, they, they won't have the creativity to see through those ideas. And I think when you were 23 and you heard that, had you have had excess amount of money at that time, you would have maybe not have been as creative as you were to do these experiments to figure that out. Hmm. Yeah, you're really diving into a really deep philosophical uh, question there, like how to stay motivated. Basically, how to stay motivated when you yeah. pretty much become successful, right? You got, you got but either it's a lot of success, right? Like yeah. They have a hundred grand in their credit card yeah. limit. Yeah, or that too. You have access to all the this lifeline. Yeah. That's a tough one. I mean, you're, you're basically your motivation that you've had all your life then was, was fear, right. Mm-hmm. Or, or just not, not being able to pay next month's bills unless, unless you went out and, and, you know, made something happen. 
So, I mean, that's a tough one. That's a, that's a motivational question. And, and uh, maybe I even suffer from that a little bit sometimes. You know, I came to Bali and I'm just kind of chilling out for a little bit. And, yeah. you know, where's my creativity going? And I don't really quite feel the, uh, the, the, the pressure like maybe I did back when I was, a, you know, 19 or so. Hmm. So uh, that, I'm, I'm not really sure if I can completely answer that one. Yeah, man, it's so <laughs> weird, though, because it's like people don't get motivated until they're in that shithole, right? Right. Yeah, that's that's a that's a that's a bad way to, to be motivated. You should be motivated for your your own desire to be better and to want more, you know? Yeah, well, it's so weird because, like I said, everyone in everything is always looking to get the quick fix, right? They want to get the six-pack abs by taking a pill. They want to make a bunch of money by maybe buying a course and then they close their eyes and they're rich overnight. Or maybe they want to take that one dating program where you learn a secret line mm-hmm. and when you say this line, you automatically get laid, right? <laughs> and trust me, I've tried researching for that line. It does not exist. <laughs> Actually, does it's it's uh, you go up to a girl and you say, "Hi, my name is Mike," but nice. of course you use your own name. <laughs> Actually, right. you only use. The name Mike, yeah. but <laughs> but you know what what happens when people go for the quick fix is they didn't actually learn the lessons that could actually get them there. Had if everything gets stripped away, right? And that's kind of like why I want to be on. I want to just be wary on the side of caution for people with credit cards and access to credit cards and access to high limits. Is that's great, but the difference between someone that's like already a billionaire that has access to that or someone that is in the trailer park that has access to that, both can see the exact same opportunity. One could use it to create their life while the other one uses it to create chaos in their life, you know? Yeah, yeah, that, I completely agree. I mean, um, you have, you've got a, a resource available to you and, and if you squander it, you're not using it to... to you know, uh, in an optimal way, then it can, it can easily ruin you. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's a tough one, brother. <laughs> Have you ever seen anything, uh, gone wrong for some people that weren't ready for such high credit cards? Yeah, absolutely. I've given this advice <laughs> to somebody like last September, I was talking yeah, to this girl and, and she, she, uh, booked her flight to Thailand and, and she, she just didn't really, couldn't really afford it. Book the flight. I'm going, I'm going to mm. figure out something. And I told her, I was like, you know what? If you're going to do this and you don't have the money, uh, you should open up a credit card, get the highest limit possible mm. and run it up and worry about it later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's better than getting to Thailand and not being able to feed yourself or yeah. you, you got to be homeless or something. Um, and uh, yeah, she, well, first of all, she, she didn't listen. She, uh, she opened up the credit card and I told her the second step that people don't like to do where you call yeah, up you the creditor. Well, she got $3,000 or something like that limit and she never called. So before she even left for Thailand, she maxed out the three thousand dollars. <laughs> she didn't even make it. <laughs> she, <laughs> she didn't even make, make it a Tyler. What'd she buy? Like just, <sighs> she, I think she just lived off of it, and yeah. you know, and uh, she just wasn't working, and you know, mm. th- for basically that's somebody that I don't think I don't know if she necessarily ruined her credit, but yeah. you know, very easily could have by just not paying it, and or maybe just made a bunch of late payments. Mm. And my theory on ruining your credit is if you're gonna ruin it, ruin it good. And if you've got <laughs> go out with a fucking a bang, thousand in credit limits, yeah. run that shit up, run that and, sh- and worry about it later. Yeah, like, you know they can sue you, and you can always go bankrupt. Being bankrupt is uh, you just leave the country. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As well, long as you don't lie on that questionnaire. Yeah, exactly. That is the biggest thing. Yeah. Don't fucking lie. Then, then it becomes yeah, yeah. a federal offense. Then they'll it's find a you. Criminal event, offense. Yeah, there's so. this guy that uh, literally I met him in Asia, and I'm like, "What are you doing here?" And he's like, "I can't go back to New York, man." <laughs> I'm like, why? He's like, I got 80000 in credit card debt. I'm like, bro, you're going to be allowed back in the country, man. No, just go back, file bankruptcy. Yeah. Actually, it's, it's, uh, so what happens when people file tool. bankruptcy when they spend $100,000 uh, on their credit cards? The creditor writes it off as a loss. And the, well, the, even if they don't, the bankruptcy allows you to wipe all that clean. Um, but one thing that can pierce the veil, that protection of bankruptcy, is if you commit fraud. So if, you, yeah. if you've lied to get that credit... And then they can prove it. Well, then they can still come after you for it. That's such like a negative term or a negative commentation. Like, oh, this person just filed for bankruptcy. Oh, this uh, business owner filed for bankruptcy. Is it just also like a tool? Because I know Robert Kiyosaki filed for bankruptcy, I think, a couple of years ago, the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. But he's obviously doing well. Like, why would someone who has money 
cause one of their companies go bankrupt. Uh, they definitely wouldn't do it on purpose. That's for yeah. sure. But they'll um, file for it. And then is there like did, some benefits? Did he mean, I don't know the story with Robert Kiyosaki, but uh, yeah. if a, I think a company filing for bankruptcy is different than, yeah, yeah, yeah. than an individual. So the individual, it's like you just basically get to the point where, okay, is it easier to start over or is it easier mm-hmm. to dig myself out of this hole that I've created? Okay. And then when, when, once you figured out that it's just easier to start over, well, that's what they do. So it's like a forgivable thing on a personal level if it's a personal credit card? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, it's, uh, anything, any debts that you have, your mortgage, your boat payment, all that stuff you shouldn't have bought and your credit cards, all that stuff, all those debts you get wiped clean and you're just going to have terrible credit. You're not going to be able to borrow money for a while. And you, yeah, it could but be that's really not difficult. a bad thing, right? Like, especially yeah. if you find a way to, yeah. it, it's almost like a, like an extra hundred grand that you just were able to figure out what not to do. And then now you can just get, well, would it, would it take away your ability to get a job if you're, it could. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I know that some employers do check your mm. credit and if you, you got a mess of a credit report, then yeah. it could be a problem. That's so messed up, man. Because I, I did some like research on, uh, the credit card system and banks and like ancient ways on how it happened. And essentially what happened, and I just wanted to get your viewpoint on this is, um, like back in the days, right. There's difference between good debt versus bad debt. You obviously know that you're in a real estate, right? And what happens is, for example, and maybe you could do a better example, this is why real estate is so good, is someone can take like a $500,000 credit from uh, like the bank. And uh, actually we'll do, do the other way around. So when people put their money in a bank, the bank doesn't just fucking sit on it, right? They invest it in other things to right. make money on your money, right? right? Um, but on the other end of things, someone like me or you could take a $500,000 credit card, uh, limit and, or just like credit from bank and invest it in a multifamily home or, uh, just like a home. Right. Mm-hmm. And if we choose to live in it, that's bad debt because we'll just fucking spend money mm-hmm. or we get a mortgage on it. It's $1,000 a month, but then say we rent it out for 2000. So that's like good debt because, for example, you're spending it's income producing debt. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like what you were talking about in the debt that you took out with the credit cards. Yeah. But what happened is in the ancient times or whatever, like when banks and entrepreneurs were like friends and shit like that, uh, the entrepreneur would borrow money from the bank because the bank would realize, oh, well, if I give this entrepreneur money, what happens is when they make more money from my money, then they will actually put it into my bank which I would then have more money to invest in more projects. And then ultimately, because I open up this line of credit, I'll end up having more money. Mm-hmm. But then they see that, for example, oh man, the entrepreneur is like four, five, 10, a hundred Xing the money that I'm lending him. And the money that I'm making is only just um, like a small percentage compared to what the entrepreneur makes. So then they're like, well, what if we just open credit cards up to instead of just entrepreneurs to just dumb people that would just buy shit and really rack up a crazy amount of credit mm-hmm. where then now the rest of their lives, they're forced to pay that back with interest. Right. Right. That's what do you think about that? Do you think like banks are trying to give people credit cards? Cause most people aren't educated the way you are with credit cards. You know, like most people will be like, Oh man, they, they see this YouTube video. They see this information like, Oh, I could open up a 50 grand credit card limit. And they'll just fuck their lives up. Right. Right. What do you, what do you think about that? Uh, that kind of goes back to what we were talking about when we first started the podcast. Yeah. Like if you just, if you have no self-control, uh, yeah, you, you could easily end up as, as one of those people that are paying 20% interest on a credit card and yeah, credit card companies, they are aware that m- majority of people cannot control themselves and they are going to carry a balance and it is a money making game for them. Mm. So even with some people, uh, filing bankruptcy and they, you know, not paying their credit cards. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it, it how did, happens that way. How did you kind of not be that person? Like what, what happened? Was it like a childhood thing? Was yeah, it because so. you're Asian? <laughs> probably uh, maybe a little both, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. I guess I was just always good at, uh, self-control and, mm-hmm. and, you know, I grew up from pretty humble, humble beginnings and, uh, grew up in a small town in Oklahoma and, uh, you know, I had, uh, parents that worked, uh, they're factory workers, both of them. And we, we lived pretty humble lives. We, we never went hungry and, uh, but we, we just weren't necessarily like 
taken a bunch of vacations and and had you know drove brand new cars yeah although you know, we did get one eventually but yeah yes but uh i don't know i just kind of always had that hunger to to just to have more to be more to be free and and i think coming from those humble beginnings and, and having those parents that were very frugal and yeah. and just very you know very afraid of debt and things like that you know they, they were definitely um you know if they they heard what i'm saying right now about having you know thirty thousand dollar credit you know, cash oh my gosh my mom would be like uh, michael like, yeah what are you doing yeah. yeah especially in real estate like you use yeah. you use mortgages to you know make you money mm. and like my mom still doesn't understand it. she's like but it's not paid off like she, she <laughs> still like doesn't think it's like a good thing you yeah know? <laughs> yeah so so for example say uh someone over here he opened up like a 50 or a hundred thousand dollar credit card uh limit how would he use it in terms of real estate seeing the fact that you know that's kind of what you did with your business, you know, you might have not necessarily had the money up front, but then how would someone go ahead and find the deals that you found um, and get in those networks to actually make money off the money that you just basically borrowed from the bank? Uh, yeah, well, real estate is a networking game for yeah. sure. So uh, I'm, I'm a member of a big real estate club in Houston, yeah. and I just I go to all the events like probably at least once a week, and I did that for a couple of years mm. to the point where I just I know a lot of people, and I've and I've you know done some deals, and uh, well, the apartment complex I had partners and things like that, so yeah. I just I kind of got to the point where I just uh, I just I knew enough people. And now if I'm ever um, looking to buy a house, I just simply, I start texting people and I say, Hey, you want to sell one of your houses? Yeah. And it usually doesn't take me long to find a decent deal and I can, uh, you know, move on it pretty quick. So like say someone wants to make a thousand dollars a month in passive income with real estate investing, right? And they have no money. They are like, Oh man, like there's these two Asians or there's like a 50% Asian over there. And like, you know, this guy, and they're like jacked. So they obviously know what they're talking about. Right. Um, and they want to get to the point where they're making deals or leveraging the credit card to actually find real estate properties and network their way to that point. Someone who has no contacts, who has no like financial like savings, they don't have like five or 10 grand in the bank to make a deal or to, you know, get into the big money or the pool of big money from like other investors, what would someone do after they opened up a line of credit card? Like if you were going to do steps to get them to $1,000 uh, a month? Uh, you know, my mentors always told me knowledge and relationships is yeah. how you find deals. So I would say those two things, I would start educating myself and getting uh, my hands on every type of material I possibly could to mm -hmm. learn how to actually do and execute a deal. And then the relationships, I would be networking all the time. I'd be looking for ways to create value for other people that have accomplished what I want. So uh, that's one thing I would do is uh, whenever I wanted to get into apartments, I would find people that were apartment owners and I'd be like, hey, can I buy you lunch? And then and it didn't have to be something extravagant. We go to some taco place and I'd pick their brain for a while. And I actually found out that most investors are very, uh, very willing to just you know, help you out, and especially buying them lunch is pretty harmless. And another thing I found out too is a lot of them are bored, so they're just—it's a lonely business, you know. They're dealing with contractors, and they got their manager and their maintenance guy, and then you know maybe their wife and kid at home, and some random guys like, hey, you know, buy you lunch? Oh, yeah, sure. Let me you know give back a little bit, and what's the harm in that? And I've, I've formed a lot of bonds that way with people that own apartments. Yeah, just real estate in general, and mm -hmm. and I've and I've bought uh, real estate from them that way too. Nice. So what happens is say, for example, uh, you have all these apartment fr like owners that are, are friends. What, what's, where is the transactions? Say one person wants to sell their thing, their apartment, right? Say it's for, I don't know, two, three, five million. What, what's like a, an apartment? 10 million? Yeah. It, it varies. Like yeah. The sky's the limit. So yeah. So let's just say um, like a hundred unit apartment. So wait, actually let's do 50 because 50, if each one cash flows 200, which is like basic for uh, an apartment, right? Like, uh, no, that's high for unit. apartments. What would be that? Right now yields are um, around six to 8% on equity. Okay. So they, they don't break it down on uh, per unit basis, mm -hmm. but uh, basically they buy a $10 million apartment complex, yep. they put 20% down, $2 million. So it'll just going to make... Um, you know, 6% on mm -hmm. $2 million. So that's, what is that, 120 grand a year? Yeah. So. so so you, for example, say you make a list of all these apartment owners in your local area, right? To give everyone like actual advice so they don't just fucking rack up 50 grand of credit card. And I feel like 
money that's not doing anything with someone that's not prepared will, it's kind of like saying the, the idle mind is the devil's playground, yeah. right? Yeah. The idle bank account with a shitload of money, like uh-huh. credit card limit is the fucking broke man's graveyard or some shit like that, right? Yeah, yeah. So say you make a list of the top 100 apartment owners in your local area. You buy them all freaking tacos, right? The, yeah. You make a deal with the taco place. You're like, yo, man, I'm going to bring all these apartment people here. That yeah. You give me like now a discount or something, right? <laughs> right. Um, now you have a list of all of these 100 apartment owners and one person's like, oh, I actually want to go. Uh, I, I want to sell my apartment, mm-hmm. right? I want to sell it for $10 million. Yep. But all you have is your friendship with them, uh, maybe some grease on your mouth because you ate a lot of tacos and maybe <laughs> a good attitude. And maybe you have like $30,000 in, in total access to credit cards. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you do from there? Would you now do the exact same thing and buy a bunch of investors tacos or is it like, what would be your steps? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, that's another piece to the networking is yeah. you need to have an investor list of people that have uh, expressed interest in getting in on your deals. Mm-hmm. So if you're, if you're a member of the real estate club I'm in, um, you can, you basically introduce yourself as somebody that's looking for, to be an apartment owner. Yeah. And uh, the, the, and you get educated on this too. They, they teach all the members like, Hey, if you want to end deals, you need to go to these guys and you say, can I get your business card? And then you need to send them an email and get it on their list. And whenever you as an apartment, uh, um, whatever, you're trying to buy an apartment, whenever you find a deal and you need $2 million and you probably don't have it, well, you put the deal together and then you blast it out to your list with your expected returns and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. um, and they, they basically tell, you know, sign up for to get in your deal. So how does, how does that money work? Because there's like so many different ways. I know like Grant Cardone will charge a percentage of all of the investors' monies that are like pooled together. Mm-hmm. And then he'll also charge them another percentage off of uh, the difference in appreciation or uh-huh. something like that. Like, how, how would you make money? Say, I bought 100 tacos for 100 <laughs> apartment <laughs> owners and 100 tacos for 100 investors. One uh, person was like, man, this taco is so damn good. Uh, Daniel, I want to sell you my apartment. Yeah. Right. So now it's being sold for 10 million. Uh, you're able to raise 10 million from your list of investors. Cause like, man, these are some dope ass tacos. Mm-hmm. I will for sure give you 10 million, Daniel. Uh, how do you make money? Do you, do you, does someone normally put their own money in uh, or th- would they just leverage the investor's money and they almost kind of like broker the deal between yeah, the two? It depends. Usually as a first timer, yeah. uh, even a second and third timer, um, when you're still really proving yourself, Grant Cardone can get away with a lot of stuff because he's yeah. got the track record and, and you know, the the proven skills to, mm-hmm. you know, proven track record to make people money. So he probably doesn't put in money or if he does, very tiny amount. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, first couple deals, you're going to put in some. And, in fact, the real estate club I'm a member of, they require that you put in a certain percentage. Mm-hmm. So you raise a million dollars, your first deal, they're going to require that you put in 15% as, mm-hmm. as the lead investor. Um, so the way you make money is one, you've got money in the deal. So you're getting a return on your investment. Mm-hmm. Um, two, you get uh, management fees, uh, just for, for, uh, operating the property after takeover. And then you can also get an override of the, uh, distributions and the, just the net profits of the deal by the cash flow and the, and the capital gain. Mm. Um, that's pretty conservative on, on, um, uh, and very, very fair for the other investors, um, yeah, so it's it's written to be very, um, whereas the lead can't just take all the profits, basically. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, the reason why I'm governed by this is if I want to raise capital from that club of investors, I have to play by those rules. But whenever you're uh, Grant Cardone and people are emailing you every day and say, please take my money, you can make whatever rules you want. Yeah. And that's probably, that's exactly what he's doing. Okay, you put in a hundred grand. I get a thousand bucks right off the top just for putting money in my deal. Mm. And then uh, on top of that, when we close on this $10 million deal, I'm taking a 5% fee. So I'm going to make 500 grand on day one. Mm. And then I'm going to make uh, a management fee of, you know, t- whatever, uh, you know, 10 grand a month on the management fee. And mm. then uh, whatever profits it throws off, I'm going to make this. And there's a million ways you can, you can slice it. I mean, there's, it's, yeah. at the end of the day, it's what, what you can convince an investor to agree to. Yeah, so there's actually three parties then, right? It's you have <laughs> the tacos that you're buying to all the apartment owners, the tacos that you're uh, giving to all of your investors, but you could also leverage the bank as well. Like uh, say, for example, it's 10 million. 
and you could only raise, say, three or four million from the investors, would you be able to get the rest from a bank? Oh, yeah, totally. So typically, um, any any investor that's going to buy a $10 million property, for the most part, is always going to use some sort of leverage. Yeah. Uh, it's just cheaper. I mean, you, interest rates are 4%, you know, and you're promising your investors 6 or 8%. Debt is a cheaper um, expense than capital. Mm. So you're going to try to put as much debt as you possibly can. And it's usually about 75, 80% of the, of the purchase price. So, you know, $10 million, you get an $8 million loan and then you pull together the two or two and a half because you need some, um, some funds above, above and beyond the down payment. Mm. So. And it's, there's, it's, just, it's like right now I'm like seeing the matrix. I'm like, Holy crap, this makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Cause it, it's just, but there's like so many moving parts, man. How do you not go insane? Uh, it's, you do go a little insane. <laughs> you go a little insane. Yeah. That's Close, why you're here in Bali. <laughs> closing a deal is is uh, yeah. very stressful, especially for your first or second time. You know, yeah, because you're you kind of you take a lot of the upfront risk too. So you you kind of go into a deal and you get it under contract. You put down earnest money, like a lot, like 30, 40, 50 grand, attorney fees, all this stuff, and you're like. Okay, I hope my investors pull through. I hope they put up the money. Mm. And yeah, that's it's just it's kind of a confidence game whenever you're, you're raising capital like that. Mm. But it's such like a good skill, man. Like I feel like more people need that specific skill because that skill moves over to all aspects of life, right? Most people they want to just get rich quick overnight. Uh, they want to get extreme amount of change without actually creating the change within themselves. And it seems like the game that you're playing isn't really the taco game, right? It's the, how can I create a list of people, influential people that I want to become friends with and how can I add value to them? And same way how you are like arbitraging interest rates between, you know, your bank and then the credit card and money market accounts, you're almost like arbitraging your relationships with each other. Right? Absolutely. Yep. You're almost like uh, there's a lot of dropshippers in Asia that just like fucking dropship physical products online. It's like dropshipping on a bigger scale with bigger players and bigger money, right? Right. Yeah, you could look at it like that. Yeah. Yeah. So what was like the end all goal for you? Because I know real estate, like any business, is just also you could also get lost in it and you can make all this money and you just can get consumed by it where, you know, you never do anything else, you know, and then you just chase a higher revenue, you chase more properties, you just chase more units just because that's what everyone else around you is doing, right? Is, do you see yourself continue to do this? Or do you think like once you have that number set in your mind and you hit it, then maybe you might take like a huge uh, pivot to a different thing? Uh yeah, I mean, my goal is to have enough cash flow to meet and exceed my current expenses. Yeah. So I'm not quite there yet. Um, and part part of the reason I went on this trip was to kind of reassess and you know yeah. um, figure out exactly what my next move was. Um, so yeah, it just uh, it just kind of depends on what your what your goals are. Um, I could either I could go back to work corporate America. I was used to be an engineer. I could make good money doing that, yeah. or you know, go do another real estate deal, or sell all my shit and just come to Bali and yeah. <laughs> right. But it, it's insane, man. Because even what you said about the credit cards, like more people, I think, need to do that after they work on their brains first, right? Right. Um, and like I said, there's so many people right now that are bootstrapping their companies, and they already have the mindset and they're trying to even raise money, which now investors are trying to get a portion of the company when they could just be opening up credit cards, right? Yeah. Would you recommend them to actually just open up a credit card instead of getting investors on, especially in the beginning stages of things? Uh, yeah, I mean, you might just, that might be something you gotta do out of necessity. And yeah. if you're in the beginning stages, you're probably giving away huge chunks of equity for nothing. Yeah. I mean, if, it's some, if it's the next Uber or something like that, it's totally more practical to, to mm -hmm. take on debt rather than cut in an investor, giving away 20, 30% of your company because you're you're in trouble and you you can't make payroll and, and you know you can't make your expenses next month. You're about to go go out of business. Mm. Uh, so yeah, it's it's just a lifeline, you know? Yeah. I think one of the last questions, just so that maybe you could like help everyone out and we could like close this out because uh, I got to go to the gym in a bit. <laughs> <laughs> but for like, what, what's like the incentive or... What, what what's like the history of or how can I how can I say this? Banks make money 
like how would the banks make money, for example, in the real estate deal? And number two, um, I don't even know what I'm fucking asking. I think we're good. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for hopping on, man. Okay. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. And uh, really quick, you are launching an ebook, I think. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, one thing I noticed, is live yet? it's uh, I'm working on it right now. So yeah. I'm hoping to release it sometime before the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to market it towards entrepreneurs and basically, you know, a lot of my friends that I find that are doing this, it's mm-hmm. like I give the same spill and nobody's yeah. really packaged it up into one, one uh, source to, to know, know how to do it like I do. Yeah. So it's just meant to be like a good reference of uh, step-by-step directions on, on what I think you should do before you make the leap. Mm, have you ever launched uh ebook or I have not actually, dude, I got to actually introduce you to one, one of my uh, close friends, they're twins. They used to be in Bali. I was just with them in Croatia and all they do is publish books that like Kindle publishing ebooks. Nice. They're, they're dope. So I could like intro you to them. Right. Um, nice. I, I heard that was just a, uh, a great easy way to, for passive income is just sell information, sell an ebook on, on Amazon and, yeah, but there's like so many ways you can do it, especially if you know exactly what you're talking about. Like, for example, in the ebook, you could put it out. For example, you're giving it away for free or 99 cents or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. But somewhere along the lines of it, because you might rank for certain keywords on Amazon, um, they're obviously going to want to know more information, right? So then you could put a link in there and then maybe do a course and then right. it's it's like higher up and then they could join your like, credit card mastermind. There's like so many different ways because there's a lot of people monetizing the, their knowledge on credit cards because most people don't know how to fucking use their credit cards. Right. (laughs) Right. So it's like uh, pretty interesting which way you could go, but I'm pretty sure you're going to be able to make it happen. If you're able to make real estate happen, it's a hard game, you know? Yeah. Thanks man. For sure. Yeah. Uh, and I, I've got an Instagram account too for, uh, for the ebook. So credit master with two R's. And feel free master. to send yeah, credit master. So nice. Yeah, I'm just I've been putting up posts there with free content. So uh, nice. just follow me there and, and be looking for for more free info. For sure. Yeah, definitely check it out. And uh, if you also want to know how to do handstands, that's what he does too. <laughs> I think you're working on handstands. I'm right? working on them. Yeah. Yeah, pretty good. I handstands, saw. Handstands, acro. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty dope. All right, man. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks.